0: Welcome back. Welcome to Unleashed and remember we are the resistance. Hey, we have a special, special guest this week um, who's going to be joining us and I'll I'll, I'll fill that in here in just a few minutes and tell you who it's going to be. But like every week we're going to start off and uh, we get questions in from our listeners and Eric, have you got one for this week? I have got one. Matt from Connecticut wants to know, uh, is there a big five but for the water for the ocean? Because they, they talk about, you know, the lions being uh, kind of king of the jungle. You know, for me, I, I mean, obviously sharks come to the top of the list. You know, you don't fish for whales. So I would say, you know, I mean, great whites. I mean, when you're fishing with chickens, yeah. <laughs> it, that's pretty big. Yeah. And, and I love halibut. You know, up in Alaska, when we get halibut up there, three 400 pounds, I mean, they're massive. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'd never heard of a big five for that, but I would say a shark would be, like, at the very top of my list. Grouper can get huge as well, but, yeah. Yeah, this is this conversation is like this is how the movie Sharknado happened, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, one I'm glad I never saw. Yeah, same. Did yeah. I? One of those B movies. Well, anyhow, so getting into today's episode, I, you know, you guys have been listening, and I've talked a lot about um, in my own past, you know, getting started in the outdoor uh, ministry and all of the the things that led up to that and people and things that, that kind of brought me to the place to where I do what I do now. And this guy is a very special uh, guy to me because he is one that, honestly, I, I, I talked about Fred Bear when I was young and I got to meet him, and that was an inspiration for me to want to be an outdoorsman and a hunter. But when it comes to someone who is able to tie that stuff together, with a, with a passion and an amazing storyteller. And down to earth as you're ever going to find, this is the guy in my life that I kind of just really, we all model, I think, after someone. And uh, he's, he's incredibly humble, incredibly funny, and I'm sure you're going to hear that in just a minute. But I want to give you a little bit of uh, his bio here. So our special guest today is Steve Chapman, and we'll talk a little bit later. No, not Stephen Curtis Chapman, but not to be confused, this one's the more funny one. But Steve is a—he's an author, he's a singer, a songwriter, and he is a, a very avid outdoorsman um, with a really specific passion uh, for hunting. So, you—you—I bet a lot of you guys um, saw his his one of his books that came out, which which really grabbed a hold of me. And he's got a lot of books out, and it was a look at life from a deer stand. And believe it or not, that book I believe has sold almost a half a million copies by now. So it's obvious that he. Definitely, um, you know, touched a lot of lives, struck a chord somehow, with that book, with a lot of guys that love the outdoors. But he's—it's filled with all kinds of, you know, unforgettable stories, and all of his books that he's—he's he's made for sportsmen, and—and—and and, and honestly, for women as well—are not only entertaining; they're also life-changing. So let me, let me just throw a couple book titles at you before I, I bring him on: um, Tales Hunters Tell, um, The Big Book of Hunting Stories. 365 Things Every Hunter Should Know. I think I need to get that one. I don't have that. Yes, I do have that. Um, I Look at Life from a Deer Stand, and, and there's a devotional. Uh, the Buck Stops Here, My Alaska Dream Hunt, and he and I actually talked about that not too long ago, and on uh, With God on a Riverbank. So, again, he's a, a singer-songwriter. He's been on over 30 recordings uh, with his wife, Annie. But a lot of you out there remember Steve and Annie Chapman if you're as old as asphalt. Steve, do I get an amen on that?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Moses came to one of our first concerts so we we've been around a while
0: oh my word see so here we go see we're getting it started already I mean there's so many things Steve that I could say I mean you and your wife have recorded music you do marriage seminars together there's all kinds of stuff but I just kind of want to uh just kind of get into the to the meat of this and guys, you're you're in for a real treat. And if you've seen him speak for game dinners before or conferences, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, Steve, welcome.
1: Well, thank you. And uh, if the Lord will forgive you for saying all those nice <laughs> things, He'll forgive me for enjoying listening to. It.
0: <laughs> I got to be honest. I stole that asphalt line. Can you guess who I stole that from? Who? Bill Gaither. Well, of course. That would because he's been on the road longer than asphalt. <laughs> and we're actually, we're about 18 minutes from his house right now. So we're not too far, kind of in his backyard. Well, man, it is. Uh, a, are, is,
1: that, is that where you live or are you about to stalk him? I,
0: <laughs> I, I was on my way there right now. Um, <laughs> no, he leaves. I live in Anderson, Indiana. That's where I, I actually oh. went to uh, college and yeah. stuff back in the day. So that was a long time ago, too. Whenever I always say yeah. I graduated high school, I always turn my head. I go 19. Hmm, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, we're yeah. real close. But so let's just kind of stop stop before we go into all the questions and stuff. You and I um, seem to pass on the road a lot, and I'm not, like, waving at you, but we'll be, like, on social media, and I'll see. I think I was in, was it, now, was it Louisiana? Is it Louisiana? How do you say it?
1: Uh, we say Louisiana here.
0: All right. You have, remember, Steve's living down near Nashville, so we do have someone southern here, and I'm a northerner. Sorry, you guys. But we were, I was, what was it, Hornbeck? I think it was Hornbeck, Louisiana. Louisiana, excuse me. Um, and you, yeah. were, you were speaking like five miles down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, just, uh, we're passing. Like yeah, most,
1: most of my crowd was over where you were, so I'll, I'll forgive <laughs> you for that.
0: You know what's crazy? I think, if I remember right, the population of Hornbeck is 486, I think, people and this was a little hole in the wall and if you want to know how much guys love adventure there was over 550 guys that came that night in a town of 486 yeah. so and, yeah. and Steve and I will both tell you if you really want to wake up the men in your community your church get guys to come that would never darken the door of a church game dinners are yeah. a wonderful way and Steve how many you yeah, should doing yeah it's a very
1: that? unique very unique outreach but very effective i, I love i mean What's the old saying? I feel like a pig in mud at, at those at those events because, you know, they, these are my people. And uh, I love talking to a crowd with, that's dressed in camo. There's nothing more fun.
0: How many events are you doing a year?
1: Well, until COVID, uh, I was doing, I don't know, 30, 40, uh, plus what Annie and I were doing. Um, but... You know, what COVID did to a lot of people like us, it, uh, it scaled us back. But to be honest with you, Brent, at 72, you know, scaling back is, is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, traveling is a uh, – I love getting there and doing what we do, but going there, it, you know, as the years go by, it gets tougher. It's not a glamorous thing, but uh, – uh, I don't know how many this year. I'm, I may do fifteen or twenty. It's, yeah. uh, and
0: yeah, you've got I mean, two kids now. I mean, they're they're how? I'm gonna say. I'm trying to think how old your kids would be.
1: Well, they're in their mid forties. Uh, Nathan's forty five, I believe, forty six, and Heidi's forty three, and uh, they're all potty trained and raised, and got their own families now. <laughs> we got six six grandkids. We got four doe and two buck in the grand herd. And uh, the two boys have taken to uh, hunting and being in the outdoors. They they love it. But it uh, been a good run.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of guys I've met around the country where you have spoken and stayed over and gone hunting with them or gone back and gone hunting with them. And that's one of the things I love about you is you are so um, personal. You're so easy to get to, to uh, talk to, but you care about the people you're with. And the fact that you go back and spend time with them, I know from them um, how much that has really meant to them. It just made you so approachable and so real. So, I respect that.
1: Yeah, uh, we, I, I tell people, you know, if we, should, I, I've been known to stay in homes, just uh, you know, say make me go to bed.
0: You know, oh, we're not talking uh, about oh, a nursing oh. home, right?
1: Well, <laughs> not yet.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> just clarifying that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, when you say you stay in a home, that that has different connotations. <laughs> but uh, I enjoy talking to people. I'm I'm one of them, and and plus there's you know as well as I there's a lot of material to be gleaned from uh, talking to people. Yeah, there is. And uh, I've gotten stories that uh, ended up in books from people I just sit up and talk to, or sit at a table with guys I haven't never met. Uh, I remember one story a guy across the table. We were eating the wild game dinner, uh, food, and, and he started talking about a bear hunt. He went on and and what happened, and and uh, I said, "Do you mind if I tell that story?" So I, I ended up telling it. But uh, you know, it's it's fifty uh, percent of what we do is uh, is uh, interacting with people. It's important.
0: I was, I think it was in Chattanooga. I was doing a game dinner, and it was right before COVID. I remember this. And it was, it was a big event and I was you know honored to be there, but I'll never forget when I walked in, the pastor came to me and he said, Hey, we've got a green room, you know, that little room off to the side where you can kind of chill out. And he said, you know, we have that set aside. You got your fruit and drink, so you don't have to be interacting with all these people. And I, I was scratching my head and I'm like, I'm here to interact with people. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. I mean. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I think a lot of there are a lot of speakers out there. I think that sometimes they just maybe they're just not that interpersonal or whatever, and they just kind of separate themselves. But yeah, those are some of the best stories and relationships are formed there. So
1: absolutely, and sometimes some of the best ministry takes place, you know, off off the stage. So yeah,
0: do bring you on. oh, do you ever do like men's retreat stuff?
1: I, I I'm not a teacher, spe- you know, I'm not a preacher, uh, I struggle with, uh, you know, doing multi-session uh, kind of events. Uh, I mean, I've, I've done them, but it really stretches me to, uh, you know, to, to do, like, if I have to do four or five sessions or something like that, even two or three.
0: But uh, you and Annie, I think, I remember seeing that you guys do marriage retreat seminars, right?
1: Well, yeah, I'm talking about me, just me. Yeah. Doing stuff. Like that. Annie and I, uh, for example, we're going to uh, South Carolina in a, two, three weeks, and we do a pastor's conference, and um, we'll have a session Friday night, uh, Saturday morning uh, from 9 till noon, and then from 1 till 3. And we just did the cove uh, in the Billy Graham yeah. Training Center with the uh, military people. And, and Annie and I can do that, and I'll tell you why. She is the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> she is a walking concordance, and uh, she uh, she's very capable of, of teaching. Now we sing and we tell stories and stuff, but when it comes to the to the teaching, she's much more skilled at it than I am. I I'm, I'm just this, you know the good looking guy <laughs> next to uh, her support man.
0: Oh, you're the guy. Player, so. You're the guy when someone yeah. walks up and they say uh, good to see you, and you say it's good to be seen. Yeah. Well, you guys. Am I
1: here? Right. Yeah. At this age, am I here? Where am I?
0: <laughs> no, wait, are we. Oh, I thought you were talking about our president for a second. Sorry. Let me just kind <laughs> of. Oh, sorry. Just had don't to. Don't
1: get me started. Man. I
0: know. I know. And I wouldn't have even said that if I didn't know. You're a little bit, you know. You know, one of the things I really respect is I don't get real political. You know that about me on, on social media. Oh, we Do, don't either. But I do have, you know, I do have opinions, and I don't—when I say opinions, I want to—I look at things based upon what we know to be true, not conspiracy, not all these things. I'm not trying to go down that that road here, but you really do—you're a straight shooter. Uh, I know next week I'm going to have another guy on who's a real straight shooter, too. And I just, you know, I, I pray for our country, I pray for our leaders, and I do know that there's nobody out there that, that God, for whatever purpose, you know, hasn't ordained to be there. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes it's, it's to wake us up to see what's really important, so— Yep, there you go. Well, man, uh, you know you and Annie, you you were um, you were singers. Um, how did you guys meet?
1: We met in the halls of Central Junior High School in the town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh, that's our home state, and Point Pleasant is north of Huntington. If you don't know where it is, and south of Parkersburg on the Ohio River. I was an eighth grader, and she was a seventh grader, and uh, we we met there in, in the halls of that school and it was love at first sight for annie and <laughs> <laughs> of course i didn't look like this back then but uh, uh now she she's a uh, dairy farmer's daughter her dad had 400 acres outside of the city about uh you know, 18 miles and uh i mean uh, nine miles and uh she lived at uh what I called uh, ninth and Plum, You go nine miles out of the city and plumb up a holler. <laughs> and uh, he, he had these 400 acres. And uh, I heard her, I didn't really know who she was until, uh, you know, we weren't friends. We knew who each other were. But um, in the 10th or 11th grade, I heard her telling a friend that her brother had killed an 11-point buck on their farm. And that's when I met her. I, I walked over. We were in the choir room, and I said, uh, oh, I just heard what you said. Uh, do you think your brother would take me uh, hunting? And uh, he, he did. And that's. Uh, Annie knew that a, the way to a man's heart is through his tree stand. And I, I didn't know she had a, a crush on me, but um, that's where we met. And we went to went through high school. She went off to West Virginia University, or Moody first, Moody Bible College, and then Western, WU, and then, and then I went to uh, Marshall University, go thundering herd. And then uh, I, I went off to the Navy. And uh, so in 1974, uh, I was ended up in Nashville and a – I was going to Belmont church there on music row and mm-hmm. the preacher, Don Fento, the pastor, uh, the group I was in dogwood was four guys at the time. And we were all living in this apartment, uh, just four of us. And pastor Fento came in and he, he pulled us into a circle he put his arms around all of us. And, and I don't know why he prayed this other than it might've been the odor in the apartment. But, uh, He said, Oh God, give these men wives. (laughs) And, uh, within a year, all four of us were married, but I started thinking about, uh, and, and nobody should call me and ask me for his number. He's not in that ministry, but, uh, he, uh, he prayed that prayer. and, And I thought when he said it, I didn't say anything out loud, but I said, you know, that's not really his business because I didn't, I didn't think marriage was good for a musician and, uh, But the Lord started stirring in my heart. And I said, well, Lord, if marriage is for me, who would it be? And the name Ann Williamson came to my mind. That's Annie's maiden name. And I thought, okay. I knew her, and I know she sings, and she's, she's a good Christian girl, and she's pretty, and I wonder if this is to be, well, I went to West Virginia to, uh, to visit my folks and to pray about something. And guess who was in town visiting? And we, uh, we met and, and started talking. And next thing you know, we we're dating. And, and then uh, November 1974, I popped the question, wilt thou? And she wilted. And, and in, uh, in March of 75, we got married. And so. we were married about a week and Dogwood was still in existence at that time. It was, uh, three guys. It was a trio. And Annie sat in on all the rehearsals and, and she knew the songs. And, uh, and, a uh, week after we got married, one of the guys dropped out. And we thought, what are we going to do? And, and, uh, Annie knew all the parts. She stepped in temporarily and was there for two years. Wow. And, uh, so that's how we started as. as and you pop the question
0: in yeah. November? Yeah. Yeah, was that before or after the rut there? <laughs> I just priorities. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure that out.
1: Uh yeah, well our <laughs> our son-in-law married our daughter November 25th and I told him this this is going to ruin your life, man. <laughs> but uh, uh anyway, yeah, we got married in March of uh of 75 and and uh been together ever since then we're heading toward our 50th it's amazing
0: yeah much respect but
1: we we started working uh, together uh, you know in dogwood and then our our son came along in 1977 and um uh, annie just you know she'd been traveling for those two years and and uh went to, she was he was born in march of 77 and he um you know, having a baby and being on the road, Annie said, I, I feel like the Lord wants to promote me to motherhood. So she dropped out and left me and Ron Elder, my partner at the time, just a duet. And uh, we sounded awful, Brent. I mean, we, we sounded, you know, like a, a, a major discord. We, were, we just couldn't harmonize, and it just wasn't sounding good. And, but we were in Monroe, Louisiana, going to concert. And the group that warmed us up was a five piece band and they sounded so good. We invited them to come to Nashville and, and uh, be dogwood with us and, and they did. But the consequence of that was for the next, uh, couple of years to keep seven men fed <laughs> and yeah. rent all the rents paid and everything. We had to be gone anywhere from 14 to 18 days a month. Yeah. And, that started taking a real toll on my relationship with Annie and our newborn. And by the time he was nearly three or just after three years old, um, I came home from a trip one week, uh, one Monday, I'd been gone probably a couple of weeks and Nathan, our son, I wasn't home but an hour or so, and, and he uh, he did something behaviorally that I didn't approve of as a dad, and I disciplined him. And I'm going to tell you something he did that you would think a three-year-old couldn't think of this, but he did. He's, he's unusually intelligent. He looked at me and shook that finger in my face, and he said, Old man, <laughs> why don't you get in that motor home go take another trip? Ooh. And I wondered later, I wondered, why did he call me old man? And it's because my hair was gray. I was, you know, not quite 30, but my hair had already turned gray. And he just thought I was some old guy that came off the street and beat his butt. (laughs) And when he said that, Brent, I said, okay, I'm losing him. I got to have a life change here. So I prayed about it. And a few weeks later, I told the guys, I said, guys, I got to go home. I've got to leave the group I'm losing my son I'm, I don't want to become a stranger at home so uh, that's that I, I was chief cooking bottle washer too I was booking us and writing the songs and and you know doing, doing you know how we are we do everything and and uh, I left those guys uh, you know without a without a, a, a chief and uh, decided to uh, go home and and then Annie, she she had gotten so um, settled in her life as a mom and a housekeeper, and, and she didn't have a job. It was fully dependent on me. It's not that she didn't work, but uh, she didn't have a, a paying job. But I, I started hinting, you know, maybe the two of us could work together. Well, she resisted that, like poison ivy, and uh, – I tell you what I did, and anybody that's listening who's in this situation, and you want your your spouse to work with you, here's what I did. I, I stopped talking, I stopped begging, and started praying. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to speak to her. And if if this uh, if this is something you want us to do to work together, then let her know. Uh, so I backed off. And then Annie had a series of dreams. <laughs> Where she was uh, unfaithful to me, and and after the third or fourth one, she said, "Lord, what are you trying to say?" And yeah, and we're not people who who depend on dreams, you know. We're right, uh, right. You know, we're not uh, spooky. But in her case, it, this she said the Lord needed to be this drastic with her, and she said, "I'm not unfaithful. How am I unfaithful to to my husband?" And he said, "Because." just whispered in her heart because you're not doing what you're called to do. And she came to me and she said, okay, we'll travel together. We'll do, we'll do what's on your heart. And, uh, so that's, that started in 1980, late 80, 81. And we've been working together ever since. And the, the importance of letting God change the heart was when things got tough on the road. And Annie will tell you this. When it got tough on the road, because we traveled with Nathan and Heidi, and that in itself is a major uh, chore, traveling with, with uh, little kids. But she said, when things got tough, I didn't blame you. I had to go to God about it, and uh, that's that's what I recommend. To so anyone. this is kind
0: of how you guys then got started doing your whole family, what you're known for now so much with your family ministry. To the family. yeah,
1: when I was, uh, you know, I, I still had concerts and, and con- contractual uh, uh, obligations to fulfill with Dogwood. So it took me six months to leave the group. But And in that period of time when I was gone, my heart was aching because I wasn't home. And so as a songwriter, you know, what I write about is what is stirring in my heart. Uh, and so I, I ended up writing songs about family that, that, uh, you know, it was just burning in my soul about that topic. And I'd come home and I'd have a song or maybe two about that. And so when we started working together, we said, what are we going to sing about? You know, we're not Southern gospel. We're not heaven songs. We're not uh, worship songs. What are we going to sing about? And I said, well, we've got these songs about family. Let's start singing them. And one of the songs, Brent, was a song called Daddy, Please Find a Reason. And it was about a little boy who uh, was overhearing his parents' fight. And the dad packs a bag and starts to leave. And the little boy says, if you can't find a reason to stay, how about me? That's the gist of the song. Well, the first time we sang that uh, together, we got an invitation uh to sing somewhere. And, and, uh, there was a woman who came up afterwards and said, please keep singing that song. We just went through that. Let others know about the pain of, of, uh, of, you know, that, that disaster in a family. And that was kind of a cue for us to pursue, continue to pursue this topic in, in our ministry. and, And that's how it started. And, uh, one day, um, uh, Star Song uh, had our music, had our records, and uh, one of the guys at Star Song, because every song we did, almost, uh, almost every song on our records was about family. They sent it to Dr. Dobson. Mm-hmm. They sent the, one of the, the albums to Dr. Dobson, and his co-host at the time, Mike Trout, called me, and he said, uh, "Is this all you sing about?" Uh, we said, "Yeah." And uh, he said, how about you come out and do a, uh, a uh, chapel service for Focus on the Family? And uh, so uh, so we did. And little did we know, we didn't even know they were recording it. If I'd have known they were recording it, I, I would have been completely <coughs> unhinged with being nervous. But it was just a room full of uh, Focus on Family employees, didn't know they recorded it, and uh, got word that they they turned it into a, a show, one of their thirty minute shows. And at the end of it, w- we were excited to, that we got to be on focus on the family and and at the end of the uh, at the end of the show, we didn't know Dr. Dodson was going to say, and these people, you know Steve and Annie, they sing about the family, and if you're interested in scheduling them, here's the number. Mm-hmm. We looked at each other and said, Oh, <laughs> we immediately called the guy that was booking us. He was in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, it was busy. And we didn't—we overlooked the fact that this the focus on the family uh, aired all across the country at different times. It took us two and a half, almost three hours, to get through to this guy. Wow! Finally, he answered and he said, "What is going on?" And I said, "Well, it's got to be focus on the family." And that day he booked over a year's worth of events for us my word and that that was that was the doing of dr Dobson it was a gift from heaven we could have not covered had that kind of coverage uh without his
0: help well I know you so, from the whole family stuff. that's you know I remember back in the day before that all started with you and Annie I mean I, I was in the 70s is when I heard Christian music for the first time I mean in the 60s. You know, my parents listened to Bill and Gloria, and and when Danny Gaither was still with them, and then it was, what was it, Gary McSpadden and and some different ones. And then in the 70s, I can remember being introduced to the Archers. You remember the Archers? Um, Oh, yeah. uh, Randy Stonehill, um, the Imperials. Those were like my, Russ Taff, I mean, when he was singing with the Imperials, I mean, I just fell in love with this guy's voice. As a matter of fact, the first song I ever sang was one that he sang with the uh, the Imperials. I think it was, was it called Praise the Lord?
1: Yeah, that uh, Salon album.
0: Yeah. And I just, yeah. you know, it just moved me. So I'm, I'm curious, because yeah. I know that this theme that you've had with family and you've been doing with Annie for years, How? when did you start doing outdoor events? And how did you begin? Because I've heard you speak, and you work the whole family thing right into it, which hits everybody in the audience. When did you start working yeah, well, that? I, Go
1: ahead. I decided not to abandon the theme, you know, and go uh, to to these events without um, uh, including the topic that was our calling, <clears throat> and, uh, and and so our uh, my my presentation uh, at a wild game dinner will include uh, one title I've given it is uh, the benefits of being an outdoorsman and and. Uh, Included in that is uh, uh, not only the benefit of the challenge; uh, every man loves a challenge. Uh, but another important benefit is how it can help you connect to your kids. And absolutely, uh, I'll do a uh, a song called First One," and it's um, and I set it up this way. Uh, you know, being with your kids in the outdoors uh, offers at least two advantages, two benefits. One, uh, Romans 1.20, God's invisible attributes His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. Well, you take a kid into the outdoors, uh, you've, you've uh, put him in the uh, context of the Creator's creation, and you can teach him, him or her all kinds of things using the outdoors. And the other benefit is what I like to call the, the distraction of action. And uh, a lot of guys are, are like me. We'd rather do and talk, not just talk. You know, uh, if you're on a riverbank with a guy cranking a, a, a reel, somehow your jaw's looser. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. you're doing something with a guy, you'll say things that uh, your conversation seems to be a little more robust. And when you're with a kid, Sometimes things will be said that may not be said in any other setting, and sometimes things will be said that really need to be heard. And uh, see if I can remember this, uh, the lyric to my fir- to the – it's called My First One. Uh, we were side by side in Daddy's old deer stand. Uh, cold December day, couldn't feel my hands. Then he whispered my name as he looked out through the timber. And what happened just then, I'll always remember. He said, I love you, son. I'm proud of my boy. I'm glad you came along. You've been my joy to get a trophy like that is the dream of every son. And that day was the day I got my first one. Of course, it's referring to the to hearing the, the words, I love you. I've had guy, I had a guy come up to me after I sang that. And he said, Man, I've been, I, I'm 52 years old, and my dad's in his uh, 70s. He said, I've been. I've never heard him say I love you, and uh, he's here tonight. I hope he uh, heard that song, and and, uh, maybe maybe it'll happen, you know, and hearing stories like that.
0: Yeah, music can be uh, so incredibly powerful. You know, my dad couldn't carry a tune in the bucket. (laughs) My mom was a choir director (laughs) in the church, you know, where I was at, and uh, I didn't didn't actually start singing until I was almost 21. I, I waited, you know, I just back where I grew up in Pennsylvania, you know, you played football, you wrestled, you didn't sing. That was kind of the way it was. I mean, you hunted and you fished. You know, my dad, yeah, he wasn't an outdoorsman, Steve. He, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, he would take me because he knew I wanted to do it and loved it. But what's funny is the first time he ever took me out, you know, it was that first day of deer season. You know, it was the first Monday after Thanksgiving in Pennsylvania. That's the way it used to always be. And I'll never forget, it was, it was 18 degrees. The wind chill was below zero. And he takes me Ooh. out to the middle of a field in a wide open field with a wind and there's a little mound with a l- one little tree. And I'm thinking, we're not going to see, he didn't know what to do. But the funniest yeah. part wasn't that it's when we got in the car to leave the house, he said, Oh, hold on a minute. Now my dad had been a school teacher for, for years and years. And he had a routine and he gets back in the car and I'm smelling something. And I said, what does that smell? He says, well, that's old spice. We didn't see <clears> a single deer. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. the best conversations in the world were with my dad just being yeah. together. We we got to to connect and talk. There was no other distraction. It was us. And so, yeah. you know, the, the influence, you know, you had in my life, Fred Bear, different ones. But my dad, even though he didn't know how to hunt, he made sure he was with me because he knew I loved it and he loved me. Yeah, so, there you go. So,
1: uh, you know, I, I, found, I found with... Fishing is a great way to be with a kid, and I I do a song in in the Wild Game Dinner called "Just Add Water," and it's you know being with your kids, and and uh, but I found with kids, uh, if you want to be with your kids, take them fishing. If you want to go fishing, don't take the kids.
0: Yeah, have you (laughs) seen? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Have you seen that like a meme on social media? It's it's not actually not a meme. It's a, it's what they call it now a reel. I think it is, but there's a father and a little girl on a boat and she catches this little bluegill and she is excited and she's dancing. And the caption says, and she thinks it's all about the fish. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a memory.
1: Adkins has a great song about that too. Yeah. But you know, being with the kids, uh, I didn't abandon them and Nathan loves to hunt. He, he just bought 82 acres South of uh, Nashville that, um, uh, he bought it last spring, not this recent spring, but the, last year. And, uh, he's, he's putting in a, uh, food plot and we we're strategizing, you know, how we get about this time of the year, we start to paw the ground yep. with our, uh, with our deer gear on, but, um, He's, uh, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the prowl for a, a side-by-side because where we park, there's an old house there that he's restoring and everything you hunt is uphill from there. And for a 72 year old, I'm going to need a side-by-side. So if anybody's got one, they want to give away, <laughs> let me know.
0: But, hey, um, I'll join you on that.
1: Yeah. But, and Nathan and Heidi, she, she, she doesn't hunt a, um, she loves to fish. We've been on the Appalachian Trail. She loves to canoe and kayak and stuff. So we, we've done that. Um, and they, uh, they're they passing it on to, to their own kids and, uh, you know, the outdoors. Yep. But it's, it's just a, it's just one of the great benefits. Plus, if you're with your kids, it gives your wife a break.
0: That's right. If, you,
1: if your kids are little, take the kids away. And when you get back, I, I used to say this uh I, I could tell when I took the kids away, uh, Annie's uh, countenance was lifted when I'd come back like after a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: here, here's something funny. I was at a game dinner yep. this spring, and I sh- was showing a guy a picture of – we have a, a mini here, – here we go. I'm not a Starbucks guy, so I couldn't tell you all the flavors. This is kind of a flavor of a dog. It's a, it's a mini F1B golden doodle. That's like the equivalent of saying, give me a double pump mocha with all these other, whatever they say. But So I was showing yeah. this guy this. You know, he was expecting me to show him that I had like a Malamute or a Beagle, you know, or, and, or a bird dog. And, and he goes, I thought you'd have a hunting dog. I said, that is a hunting dog. He says, a mini F1B Golden Doodle is not a hunting dog. I said, Yeah, it is. He goes, How do you figure? I said, That's the dog that keeps my wife happy while I go hunting.
1: <laughs>
0: there you go. It's a hunting dog.
1: You're a wise man. <laughs> and you just gave a lot of guys a great idea. There,
0: there you go. Happy yeah, wife, yeah. happy life. Hey, so. That's right. I left turn, Clyde. Going back, you know, a, a look at life from a deer stand really opened my eyes um, to just nature, God creation, um, relationships. When, you know, and how, what caused you to to want to write that and all that stuff that we we now see? I mean, what was it that that moved you to do that?
1: Well, uh, there's a uh, uh, camp out in Nebraska called uh, Maranatha Camp. It's uh, near North Platte. And it's 2,000 acres. And and the uh, guy that ran it decided to do a uh, hunting camp for a weekend with guys where you would draw for a stand. They had like 20 stands around the property and, and uh, every evening you would draw for one. And my job at that at the time was to sing and, and do the devotions around the campfire at night. And um, we were there and, and uh, we gathered after the first day and it was a chilly day sunny, but very chilly. And one of the guys that around the campfire or the uh, fireplace (laughs) started talking about how, about the, uh, the vapor that he was breathing out that morning and, and uh, how he was sure the deer could see it, you know, and it just roll Mm -hmm. out and and you know how your breath does in a cold day, especially when the sun's shining on you. And uh, he started talking about, and he said, "I, I watched that, vapor go out there and just hang for a minute and then disappear and he said I thought about James the passages of James were just a vapor and I went I thought that same thing I wonder how many other guys have thought that same thing so that night I wrote a chapter called the vapor and then I thought I wonder how many more of these I can come up with just to connect with these guys that I so enjoy being around and about oh, no, a few weeks later, I had uh, 15 stories uh, in, in the can, and I thought, you know, self-publish. So that's when I called Charlie Alzheimer and, and uh, asked him if he had a picture that would uh, do two things for the cover of my self-published book, and that was a woman would look at it and go, oh, beautiful. And a man would look at the buck on the cover and his trigger finger twitch. (laughs) So Charlie's provided me a great picture. We self-published the book. And again, it was just my goal was to connect with guys. And plus, you know, we were traveling and and, uh, we always had a product table with our books. And and by then, by the way, we had written uh, a couple of books uh, through Baker Books. It used to be Bethany. Yep. And uh, we had written uh, Married Lovers, Married Friends, and Gifts Your Kids Can't Break. And by then, I was you know, kind of familiar with the writing process, but I'd never written anything by myself. We had ghostwriters on those to help us with the process. But I, I, I did this, and I thought, they're not going to take this book. So I said, let's self-publish. So I did, and I had uh, the original title was Lessons from a Deer Stand, and the guy that edited said, oh, that's too preachy. You know, I need to come up with something a little more. A little better than that. He said, let me suggest a look at life from a deer stand. Well, you know, that was just a great suggestion. I ended up paying him extra later on just to say thanks for a great title. But we self-published, and I, I printed 10,000 copies because at the time in 96, it was 38 cents a copy. It's 130 pages. Very easy read. Uh, you know men are are bumper sticker people we like short stuff yep and um, so the chapters weren't that long and and I was able to print these books and I'm 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 in actually in the deer stand one day and I'm thinking okay we got a we got the shipment of 10,000 books they're in the garage what are we going to do with them other than sell them at our at our concerts so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking you know I wonder and at that time Brent you got to understand there were not the big box. Uh, most of the Christian bookstores in the country were, were privately owned, and yeah, family owned, and small stuff, places. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, these people are buying our product, our CDs. I wonder if they would be interested in this. So I come out of the deer stand. I went to Eileen, the lady, worked for us. I said, I want you to call uh, ten stores in the within 500 miles, Arkansas. Georgia, you know all these states, and ask them if they would be interested in carrying a book for hunters called *A Look Like a Deer Stand*. So she called. and, and uh, so she, and I said, "Here's what you do: you send, tell them we will send you 25 books and 12 uh, books on cassette. And what you sell, we'll split split the uh, profit, and what you don't sell, ship back to us. We'll pay the shipping out, and you pay the shipping back." So they couldn't pass up that deal. So within about ten days, <clears throat> this store in Hot Springs, Arkansas, called and said, "We're sold out. We need more." Wow! They ended up selling three or four hundred books, mm. and we knew we were onto something. And we sold about thirty thousand copies, and and just exhausted all of our contacts. And I went to Harvest House, and and I, I, because. Someone gave me a book by uh, Jim Grassi, I believe his last name, called Promising Waters, and it was about fishing. And I'm thinking, okay, Harvest House, if they're interested in fishermen, maybe they'd be inter- interested in hunters. So I sent the book to their acquisitions editor, and the lady turned around and gave it to her husband, who is a hunter, and said, read this and tell me what you think. A couple of days later, he gave back to her and said, you need to do this. And the rest is history. Harvest House picked a, picked the book up, uh, did a little bit different cover using uh, Charlie's uh, 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 pictures, and did a trade version. Mine was an author version, and they did a trade version, and they've been gangbusters ever since. And then uh, you know, asked for another one, and then another one, and, and then they've broken it up into devotionals and and. Uh, so that's how, that's how that got started, and um, you know I'm, I'm grateful, so grateful for uh, for the opportunity, the doors that's open because of that for me to get to do wild game dinners and other events like that. It's just a gift from God, and, and I know that. And,
0: well, and that Steve, you you are grateful. so kind uh, because I I did over the last however many years was reading your your outdoor books, and I wrote the. F- first one of the outdoor books that I did, it was called Into the Wilds, and I sent it to you. It was originally called Off the Hook, and you got a hold of me, and you said, I think you need to change it to Living Life Off the Hook. So you were to like, give me some uh-huh. advice in the same way you were given that, but then when the publisher got it, they changed it to uh, Into the Wilds, and then yeah. I thought, well, would he endorse a second one? I sent it to you, and you were so kind, and I really, I mean, again, you've been an influence and an encouragement to me for so long, um, really.
1: Well, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't trust you.
0: I, I believe that. I do. I believe I know that about you. And I, and yeah. I, I appreciate that. Honored. Totally honored.
1: So, well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell the people what kind of guy you are. You, you sent me a pic, texted me a picture the other day and you've got, uh, was it flowers or something? And you said, I'm getting ready to have a picnic with my wife.
0: Oh, yeah. That and was. I
1: said, I said, I'm not showing this picture to Annie because this is making me look really bad.
0: <laughs> you, I could sit here and do a whole podcast. I could do 20 podcasts on how much I love my wife. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, went to the, the little spots where we first met and all the things we did and we first, you know, got together. And, yeah, oh, man, you, you know, those moments, because when you love your wife so much, you just. You don't want to leave those moments. You wish you could just stay there, whether it's a concert you're at together or a view of creation. You're both, you know, feeling love and what God did. And, yeah, don't get me started. I mean, there's—I can I could talk hunting. If we wanted to get down to hardcore, you know, don't be seen, heard, or smell, what kind of broadhead, what kind of bow, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you get me talking about loving your wife. That, hands down, is my favorite thing. I just—I am so—
1: that's your qualification for, uh, as far as I'm concerned, for uh, speaking. You know, it's, it's, My dad was a pastor. Who he was in the pulpit was not any different than who he was at home. And who he was at home was not any different than what he was in the pulpit. That's the highest compliment I could pay my dad. He was a great preacher, but the higher compliment was who, who he was at home. And uh, that, that, that was his qualification.
0: One of the neatest so, things. Kudos was,
1: to you, but but you are making me look bad, man.
0: <laughs> One of the neatest things at that date the other night, sorry, is I had gotten her a card and I had written in it and I was writing, you know, it was like these trifold cards and I, you know, I covered the whole thing on the inside 'cause I'm I love words. And I I said something, I said, When's the last time that you can remember asking me, Do you love me? And she goes, I can't. That was the biggest compliment yeah. I could have had. Yeah. And guys, so you're, yeah. Go ahead.
1: My my mother, my mother at their fiftieth anniversary. My mom and dad's fiftieth. She stood up and she said, "I just want y'all to know, I married me a has been." And we all laughed. And she said, "He has been faithful. Mm. He has been true. Whatever I wanted, he always came through." And I went, "Darn, there's a song right yeah. there." <laughs> So I wrote a song called "Has Been." It's it's a fun <laughs> song, just quoting my mother. And I thought, okay, Dad did good if he's if he's getting that kind of compliment. But I, I'll tell you this about you know the guys that are that hunt, who listen or fish or whatever. If you have a hobby that you're spending money on, let me let me make a suggestion. If you go buy something uh, like let's say you need a new release for your bow. Uh, you you want to get a new Scott or whatever they're making now. Mm -hmm. And it's 75 or a hundred bucks, whatever you're paying. Go get cash out of the bank. And after you come home, you hold that thing up and say, I got me something for what I like to do. Here's you some cash and equal value for whatever it is you like to do. You're talking about winning points right there. And if you're a deer hunter, points are important. Yep. You're going to win some yep. points. Yep. And I call it the equal cash value method. And uh, it, it, now I don't recommend that with Ranger boats and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, or Harley Davidson because that's, that's <laughs> above my ability. Yeah. <laughs> But these little things that we buy, just let her know you're thinking about yep. her and that you're being fair with your funds.
0: You know, and Steve, one of the things I always talk about with guys at game dinners too is I'll say, you know, we all get our phones out. We're showing each other how big the buck is we got last year. You know, was, did I have more points than you did? All these different things. And it's because we're, we're trying to get our identity from yep. our performance. And if a man is, is tied up in that he isn't going to be able to love his wife well because it's going to be all about him, his performance, look at me. But when we can die, this is my, one of the things I wanted to ask you is when we can die to self, because when we love someone so much that we would really would lay our life down for them, we know we've really found what love looks like. And I can only do that when my identity is in Christ Because when I, when my identity is in Christ, I no longer need something from my wife. I now can give it to her. I can offer it to her. And that makes her beauty come alive and makes the masculinity in me just, you know, just, wow. You know, it's incredible the way God made this stuff. So let me ask you, um, I got maybe two things I want to ask, and then we're going to wrap it up. But you know, you speak all over the country. You've you've been in music. You're an author. You're a speaker. You All these different hats you've worn for so many years. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, selling almost a half million books, people, they, they see these bestsellers. Well, they sold millions and millions. I'm telling you, that is not the norm. If you go in and you even Google, you know, what's the average amount of books that someone might sell, it's only a couple thousand books. It really is that low. So you definitely touched a chord with guys and I think one of the things is you are so disarming with your personality and so down to earth and so real that it helps us get in touch with that side of us where we don't have to try to prove to be someone because you laugh at yourself. You'll make fun of yourself sometimes when you're like you did at the beginning of this podcast. There's something really disarming about that. And it comes from a person who understands where their identity comes from. So I wanted to ask you how important do you think it is that men? maybe have another man walk with them through the wilderness to help them discover all this stuff like we're talking about, you know, both the physical and the spiritual wilderness.
1: Oh man, I, there's no way to put a value on that. Uh, I have a, a good friend, Lindsay, who, you know, we've hunted together. We, He was my cameraman in Alaska when, he, uh, when I took the brownie and and uh we've been on the lake erie just just all kinds of stuff and we even have parallel events in our lives he his uh, septic tank went out and mine went out at the same time <laughs> he had a heart attack i ended up in the in the uh, uh emergency room with a heart issue it wasn't uh, life-threatening but uh, at, i mean with within days and just last week his ac went out and i went oh no and then my the ac went out so hey we are brothers of different mothers. And Lindsay is, is the kind of guy who lets me be uh, who I am. And if, if uh, he detects something, you know, the other day we were playing golf and I, I just, you know, I went off the rails and hit one off the fairway and, and he looked over and he said, humility is good for Steve Shatton. <laughs> <laughs> you know that kind of interchange you you just can't put a value on it he he I call him the task he calls me the task and um and and we do it gently it's not yeah. something we yell at each other but uh yep. we're willing to allow the other one to be uh you know an advisory source and um uh, I, I have a couple of friends like that and uh, again there's there's just no way to to uh, measure yeah the value of, of uh, accountability with with a brother or two brothers and uh, you know I, I always think about the disciples how how they're out there uh you know being men and uh you know who who called them down when when they got out of hand you know sitting around fires or whatever they were they were just men, yep. and uh, somebody had to call them down. It's probably Peter.
0: Yeah, probably. He,
1: then again, he probably instigated. That's somebody. right. But, uh, uh, but anyway, um, I'm I'm grateful for you know Annie is a is a great of course a soundboard for my life as a, as a believer. But we also, and she has friends that, that she calls on that say things you know they talk about things that annie and i don't talk about yeah i have yeah. things i talk about with lindsey that uh, i won't you know it's hard to talk about with annie so yeah
0: you know masculinity bestows on. masculinity femininity femininity yep. can never be still masculinity it's that man speaking to a man and, you know and i i'm a big believer you know i hear guys saying you know accountability groups and i say great just be careful with the interpretation of that word. Don't make it so that you're like reporting to your parole officer each week. You know, it's it's a mutual yeah. thing. We're both in relationship. We're both holding each other capable is the way I always like to say it with that. But it is it is vital. And, you know, we said today, you and I were talking this morning about um, we have guys we might only see once or twice a year, maybe hunting turkey in the spring or maybe hunting deer in the fall. But we have that connection with them. And somehow, guys in the outdoors, we have this bond that no matter what's going on, we know we can reach out to them. There's a brotherhood. There really is.
1: Yeah. That's a blood bond.
0: Yep. Well, man, we are we are approaching almost one hour. We got to keep our, our limit within that. But, Steve, wow. I, am, I can't even tell you how honored I am to have you on here and the respect I have for you and the work you've done with men for years. How can people um, find out about, you know, you or you and Annie and the things you're doing now to be able to get a hold of you?
1: Well, we have a website. This is stevenannychapman.com. Uh, Facebook site uh, is Steve Annie Chapman. Steve Annie is one word Chapman, but you know, we post stuff there from time to time. And, um, uh, but the website has our contact info and we're scheduled by a fellow named Stormy Mitchell, uh, yep. at, uh, at the Mitchell group. He's, he's a good guy. And, um, that's that's how we do it, and and the books are in various uh, bookstores, and and uh, uh, my latest one, by the way, is a look at life from the fairway. So any golfer out there, I like hunting and golf because they're both alike. You go to the woods and look for something. That's right. So at least I do. But uh, I've reached out to, to that that world, and and uh, just you know, any anything that uh, people can pick up, there's they're going to. Uh, There'll be. A re- it's a resource for uh, improving your life and, and uh, your walk with Christ. That's the main
0: goal. Well, I want to just finish up with this. Steve, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I want to have you back sometime. I know you're the man of a million stories, and I know our listeners are going to love it. But when I asked the last question about, you know, how important is identity? And everything you've been hearing today, th- what Steve's been talking about, what we've been talking about, is about a relationship with our Maker, And guys, I want you to know something. A lot of us, we've been through hard times. Maybe you've been through divorce, maybe you've been through loss of a job. And your question, you know, do I really have what it takes? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you absolutely have everything you will ever need because the God of the universe is in you. And I always say this, that when a man knows who he is in Christ, that he's been created in the image of the living God, when he's no longer held captive by the opinions of others or cares whether he lives or dies, he is now incredibly dangerous. Dangerous for good. Steve, thank you for being so real. Um, You're you're being authentic and being dangerous for good. It is an honor to call you brother, my friend.
1: I appreciate it. I appreciate your time.
0: All right, guys, we will see you all back here next week on the next episode of Unleashed. And remember, we are the resistance. See you next time.